0: I've listened to people tell me that it's Biden's fault we have inflation. It's the Democrats' fault we have inflation. Well, to the best of my knowledge, the Democrats and President Biden have very little effect on uh, England where they have 8.7% inflation or on Europe where they're having record inflation this, too. So this is just as it's, bad as it's when everywhere.
1: the Democrats during the Trump administration were blaming Trump for things that absolutely were not in his purview. They're nowhere around anything he could affect, but because he's in the Oval Office and they don't agree with him, they can blame him. Well, the Republicans are now doing it for Biden. Biden has had very little impact on pricing of anything. He's not had a great impact on anything since he's been in there. So blaming him for things, you're just giving him more power than he has in your own mind. It's just amazing. It happens all the time though. It's a normal thing. I've stopped telling people to stop doing it. Once more under the breach, dear
0: friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another sort of semi-kind of exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and
0: Jeff McClure. McClure.
1: Uh, I'm sorry I qualified the exciting part. I guess it comes from you know, some people aren't as excited as we are about the fluctuations in spreadsheets and the changes in prices in different parts of the world. But you know, for those of you that are, it's maybe more than semi-sorta kinda exciting. For those of you that aren't, it's probably not even sorta semi-kinda. So when you average it all together, that's what we're planning. No, no, that's not. Hopefully it'll be better than that. Okay. This is the personal wealth coach, and we are hoping to talk to you about. The economy, finance, maybe personal finance. You,
0: if you average everything
1: together, that's called the mean. And that's just mean of you to do that. Uh, that's not nice at all. That's kind of the definition. Right, exactly. Yikes! Anyway,
0: you're right. This is the Personal Wealth Coach. And the Personal Wealth Coach is not only a weird radio program with a couple of guys who do bad puns. And are bald. It is also, and are bald and bearded. Yes. Ah, uh, And the guy who said, and bald first. Uh, has a black beard, and the guy who said and bearded has a gray beard. You haven't looked and, at my
1: beard in a while.
0: Well, it's got a. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. It's got little streaks of gray in it, but it isn't it's still
1: mostly black. I would it's, call it a black beard. Yeah, yeah.
0: You, 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 you could
1: call it that if you wish. Just in comparison to your white beard, everything mm. else looks black.
0: So that's it's fine. And uh, the guy with the white beard is Jeff, and the guy with the not very white beard is Jake. Yes. Yeah, and we have been doing this for a long time.
1: This kind of conversation has been going on between the two of us my entire speaking lifetime. Because the guy with the white beard is my dad. People often think we're brothers. We're partners, um, but and and maybe in a uh, philosophical, spiritual sense, we're brothers.
0: Um, I would say estheticological, but that's all right.
1: Oh, you would say I, words I, like that. Those <laughs> anyway. have more than one syllable.
0: So the personal wealth coach is also the name of a registered and or an investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas that does portfolio management and gives investment advice that is registered with the Securities and Exchange the United States Securities and Exchange Commission which does not in any way imply that they approve or anything else it just means if if an investment advisory firm is reg, has to be registered and in order to be if it has over a hundred, million dollars under management, it has to be registered with the SEC, and that's as far as it goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they don't say and, you're good. They do occasionally say you're bad to people, and that oh, kind of makes yeah. headlines. Right. But, but you never hear that the SEC endorses a company. No, we're not endorsed by the SEC, just because we. that's kind of like saying, I haven't gotten a ticket all year, and that means that the police think I'm nice. No, it doesn't say <laughs> anything about what the police think. <laughs> Well, the
0: insurance company thinks I'm nice. Yeah, the insurance anyway.
1: company likes me. Yeah. Uh, maybe they like me more if they I got more tickets because they could charge me more. I don't know. Anyway, back to the disclosures. Um See just you be, said- Yeah, just because we're registered to give investment advice, which is what we just said, the firm is registered to give investment advice. That doesn't mean that that's what this is. Investment advice is custom tailored to the person receiving it which is really hard to do in a podcast radio environment. I mean, we could do it, but it would have to be like a direct broadcast. It would be like a narrow cast. So that's more like a phone. This is not a phone or a team. We're not phonies either. We're not phonies. So uh, we don't give uh, investment advice on the air. We give education on the air. We're trying to give you the tools to know when you need advice. Uh, Hopefully that will be helpful say that 10 times fast uh and the information that we receive or that we disseminate on this program oh you thought i was going to give it didn't you you started to have Mm -hmm. a pained look on your face no,
0: no 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 i'm waiting to hear you say it
1: uh come from sources that we deem to be reliable though we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said or unsaid information much less written or unwritten there
0: I'm, I'm impressed. I you added it to it. You did very well. I just, it's, yeah, it's I, really cool.
1: I didn't lower my volume and speak at double speed, though. I need to get working on that.
0: And if you would like to, it's presuming today is June 4th, 2022. Uh, if you would like to fire some questions via email, we'll uh, endeavor to address them on the air. And our email addresses are jake at tpwc.com and jeff at tpwc.com.
1: That's Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie or The Personal Wealth Coach. So, what happened this week across the markets? Did something happen? Um, I believe the markets opened on Monday and closed on Monday and proceeded. No. No, they didn't. We have news. The market was closed for some reason on Monday. We just skipped all Mm -hmm. trading on Monday. It was a memorial
0: event. And reading the media reports on what happened in the S&P 500 at the cl- after the market closed on Friday. It was fascinating to see the range of numbers for the week yes. because the standard way of looking at a week is five trading days. And so people are actually going back to the, from the close on Thursday of last week and counting in Friday of last week and this week's stuff. And some people weren't. It was really but, interesting to see the spread.
1: When we're talking about this, we're not talking about Low rent type publications. We're talking about some of the major publications on the planet doing this. Oh, algorithms anyway, have taken over. Al Gore knew it at the beginning.
0: He did. Al Gore invented them. He just asked him, he'll tell you.
1: Uh, and he was the vice president for a saxophone player who had maybe rhythm. So algorithm is what we use oh, to run now. Bad pun. Bad. You, that's you bad. gave that as the disclosure at the beginning. We give bad puns. So go ahead. We do.
0: We do. We do. We do. Okay. The S and P five hundred stock index is the one that we use to indicate what's going on in the market. We also look at another one called the CRSP mid-cap Value Index just to give some contrast. The S and P five hundred uh, seesawed up and down all week as the bears and the bulls fought one another excitedly. Um, and even though the, the end of the week, it was down 1.2% for the week, it's still doing pretty well because, uh, it's, it is, uh, up 5.3% from where it was three weeks ago at the bottom of this correction so far. It's down 14.28% from its top at the beginning of the year. And since corrections start when the market goes down 10%, and they turn into bear markets when the market's down twenty percent at a close. We are in a correction.
1: Well, and, and I have that's all we're in. I have to interject here. Um, economists are the the most unsexy at measuring bottoms. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bottom
0: joke. I you are it. really you're really into the dad jokes. Today. Uh, anyway, I qualify. Anyway, the uh, we're still in a correction, and I know that there is a, and, and I've heard. People say the market's doing horribly this year. No, it's really not doing horribly this year. It's Uh, not doing fantastically, but it's not horrible either. We're in a correction. We've been saying for some time we needed a correction and we needed to be in a correction and we're in a correction. And it hasn't shaken out everything it needs to shake out yet. There are still zombie companies out there. And that's one of the reasons we're in a correction. What's a zombie company? A zombie company is one where their earnings will not be able to pay the interest on their loans indefinitely they have to raise their earnings substantially to be able to pay the interest on their outstanding loans when these loans start rolling over in this higher interest rate environment and you say okay well that's some meme company like amc or uh GameStop or something like it no american airlines by the way is in that same category if you look at all their loans outstanding if interest rates go up and their earnings don't go up a bunch, and fuel is hurting them pretty badly right now, uh, they're on a death spiral, which they've been in before. They've been in bankruptcy before. Multiple times. Uh, but that's one of the things that's dragging the market down right now. There are companies out there whose profit margins are being squeezed by interest rates, whose profit margins are being squeezed by the rising price of fuel. There's zombie companies, and they're in the S&P 500. And that drags the index down. Now, let's look over. Let's see. uh, The S&P 500, I said it was up 5.3% from its uh, low point three weeks ago. It's up 83.63% from March of 2020. In other words, in just over two years, the S&P 500 has risen 83.63%. And I talked to a guy yesterday who said the market has done horribly the past couple of years. Yeah, you're right. It's only up 83.63% but that's the perception and that's what life is the crsp mid-cap value index we look at mid-cap value because it's kind of the opposite in many ways of the s&p 500 s&p 500 that's dominated by large growth companies uh, the mid-cap value index by definition is full of mid-sized corporations
1: that's why it's called uh, mid-cap
0: that are where the stocks are valued on the market based on not Not based on what they think the earnings are going to be in five years or 10 years or whatever, but on what they're doing today. And the mid-cap value index uh, did drop 1.78% for the week, but it's only down 4.45% from its high and down 1% from a year ago. So that gives you some idea.
1: Less than 5% down from the very top of the market Yep. versus some parts of the market, which are really, really down.
0: Well, the CRSP mid-cap value index, as I said, was down 1% from a year ago. It's down about uh, less than 5% from its high. So whether or not your portfolio is in a correction depends on where you're invested. The 10-year U.S. Treasury note, interest rate went up, which is good in a sense, because that's what the Fed wants it to do, and considering what the Fed is doing with its balance sheet, it should go up. It went up to 2.942% to, to end the week. That's about twice the yield it carried at the beginning of this year. The, uh, the yield curve is positive. 90-day T-bill is at 1.185%, and the 30-year Treasury bond is at 3.096, with the 10-year being in the middle at 2.942. Why that is that means,
1: important? It means it's it's got a higher yield for a longer maturity, if you make a right. long-term loan, you get a higher interest rate than when you make a short-term loan. That's very healthy, yeah.
0: and it's just the reality is that uh, a positive yield curve is a good sign because recessions are so far in the twentieth century uh, since we've been since we've had treasury yield curves. Our twentieth and twenty-first century um, recessions are preceded by inverted yield curves. And we don't have an inverted yield curve. It's that simple. So we, it's kind of like a barometer. The yield curve is very much like a barometer. Uh, If you live uh, on the shores of the Gulf of Mexico and you have a barometer in your house and it drops precipitously very quickly and goes down way below normal, there's a very high probability there's a hurricane headed your way.
1: Precipitous precipitation? Precipitation
0: you got it there it is and it's probably a good idea to board up your windows and leave town if uh so that's the the yield curve is kind of like a barometer and the barometer is still indicating fair weather maybe some isolated thunderstorms and things like that but nothing in the way of a hurricane or a recession so that's good west texas intermediate crude oil uh which is the benchmark for fuel prices here in the united states rose another 4.5 percent to 120.29 per barrel
1: so, suggesting,
0: you notice I put the word suggesting in here yeah. that the pain at the pump is far from over. Yeah. We are going to see higher fuel prices for some time. And there's some very good reasons we're seeing higher fuel prices.
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I would call them good when I'm getting f- fuel in my car. I call them horrible reasons, but they're good reasons for the prices to go. up.
0: The principle, the one thing is they are. We have there's a lot of well we're only operating at about between depending on who you read 89 to 93 percent capacity in in uh, in refineries in the United States why because refineries are down in various places in the United States because of maintenance that they're doing on the refineries yeah it's that simple and there have been some refineries that uh, shut down during the pandemic and haven't opened up again they're not going to open up again because they weren't particularly profitable why did they shut down because the price of oil dropped through the floor and the oil companies that run the refineries were losing money vigorously on their refineries. And they said, this will probably never came back. So they shut the thing down. And oddly enough, you and then laid off everybody who was working at the refinery. And oddly enough, you can't just say, hey, let's turn the refinery back on.
1: Yeah. and if you, This is a good time to be having this conversation because it was two years ago this month that the price of oil was not only much lower, it was negative. For about a week, people were actually paying someone else to take their oil away because they didn't have room for it. Because the, I know this is hard for people to remember. It's only two years ago. Hard to remember. This is in the in the height of the lockdown where the vast majority of the planet just said to everyone, stay home, don't drive. And that meant that all this oil that was being produced for summer travel and for all that good stuff didn't have anybody to buy it. And you can't really stop the flow. So it filled up all the available storage spaces. Well, the good news was that there were a lot of tankers that didn't have any jobs to take oil back and forth. So they all got rented out to just be floating oil tanks. They just sat there with the oil in it. People were literally paying and they had just pumped the stuff up out of the ground they had it there and they were paying people to take it away from them not selling it to them so come forward two years and it's now 124 almost 125 dollars a barrel for the same stuff that they were paying 30 dollars a barrel for you just to take it away
0: it's pretty amazing
1: well, there's a there's a story in there somewhere
0: well, the, yeah, there's a lot of stories. <laughs> a lot big, of stories. The, one of the reasons one of the, reasons the price of oil is up. There's actually several reasons that the price of fuel is up. And it's up a lot more elsewhere, by the way, than it is in the United States. That's correct. Uh, and it's kind of like inflation. Uh, I, I've listened to people tell me that it's Biden's fault we have inflation. It's the Democrats' fault we have inflation. Well, to the best of my knowledge, the Democrats and President Biden have very little effect on uh, England, where they have 8.7% inflation or on Europe where they're having record inflation this, too. So this is just as it's, bad as it's when everywhere. the
1: Democrats during the Trump administration were blaming Trump for things that absolutely were not in his purview. They're nowhere around anything he could affect. But because he's in the Oval Office and they don't agree with him, they can blame him. Well, the Republicans yep. are now doing it for Biden. Biden has had very little impact on pricing of anything. He's not had a great impact on anything. Since he's been in there. So blaming him for things, you're just giving him more power than he has in your own Mm -hmm. mind. It's just amazing. It happens all the time though. It's a normal thing. I've stopped telling people to stop doing it.
0: And we've said this before, but I still get questions about why is the price of fuel up when we have plenty of oil in the United States? Well, because we're exporting a lot of the oil. Well, the question comes back then, why are we exporting oil? We're exporting oil because the people in Europe and japan and lots of other places are willing to pay a lot of money for oil i've
1: got a g- if, great
0: if parallel. you're in a free market if you're in a free market scenario and we are in free market economy the oil company says okay if somebody in europe by the way if you look at the price of brent crude which is the equivalent of west texas intermediate uh, it's higher than it is here in the united states why because of shipping costs from here to there people are willing to pay a lot of money for oil someplace else than the oil company to the degree it can is willing, is going to ship oil to somewhere else. And you're going to have to match their price if you want oil yeah, there's or a, gasoline.
1: There's a great parallel here at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, everybody was hunting. What are we going to do? We got to v- get vaccines. We have to figure something out. Vaccines are under development. What's going on? So uh, the United States kind of, paved the way for a sort of unknown company to work on the vaccine, Moderna. The Germans said, hey, we're going to take our top-of-the-line company besides Bayer. Pfizer's up there. It is one of the best in the world. We're going to make the the, the vaccine. And so there's neck-and-neck neck race between the Germans and the Americans. And they got there at about the same time. And then the Americans got a lot of vaccines, and the Europeans were told to wait. But Wait, wait a minute, if Pfizer was making more vaccines than Moderna, what, what happened there? Well, we were willing to pay more for it. The United States was willing to pay a lot of money for the vaccine and the Europeans weren't, they waited. So we paid the money for the vaccine and we got it first. In Europe, they're paying more money for gasoline now, they're paying more money for natural gas, they're paying more money for oil. It has something to do with a really bad neighbor and there's like a tree ordinance where a tree was over a property line, or no, wait, that's a tank ordinance. Sorry, um, bad. Well, there's a
0: tank. There's a tank over the property line.
1: Right. There's a lot of tanks over the property line, and that affects business. It really seriously does. People get afraid. They're willing to spend a lot more to buy things from people that aren't threatening them with guns. I don't know why that would be, but well, actually, I do. I'm being silly. We said bit. we were going to talk know, about jobs. Yeah, Because that's a really, really big news. Employers added 390,000 jobs in May. Now that's the whole month. And usually we see the numbers for the week. What were were you going to say?
0: And over the last year, they have added over 6 million new jobs. When we talk about new jobs, it doesn't mean job openings. That is people that are hired and gainfully employed. We have 600, what did I just say? 6 million more people. Employed now than we had a year ago. That's a lot of people, and better yet, on average, their wages during that time period have gone up by five point two percent. Which means there's a lot more money available to be spent in the economy. Interesting point. As more people that the three hundred ninety thousand or two hundred ninety thousand just got hired, three hundred ninety thousand uh, for the no, month. the three hundred ninety thousand that just got hired. Most of those are second incomes in a family that can survive on a single income. Right. They add more spending to the economy than people who are hire, who were hired earlier. Uh, this is one of the challenges that the Federal Reserve is facing, is when more people are making more money, they have more money to spend. And as they spend more money, that amounts to increased demands for goods and services. Goods and services, or good services, as the case may be. As they do that, if there is a limited supply, and there is very definitely limits on supply, prices will go up. It's the law of supply and demand. If you have a lot of people working and they're making more money and have more money to spend and want to spend it, and there's a fixed or limited supply of stuff and, thing and services to buy, the prices of the goods and services will go
1: up. I've got an example for you. Coming okay. since the beginning of 2021... The uh, Labor Department has given us numbers and they're broken by sector. of Whose wages have gone up and how much? And the Wall Street Journal has come out with a nice graph on that. Um, government employees, their wages have gone up about 2.2% from twenty twenty the beginning of 2021. Retail trade, we've heard a lot about retail being hired and spending going up. Retail is also up. Uh, it's up about 3.4%. That means the wages have come up. Not as much as inflation, man. This is a year and a half later. It's only up 3.4%. Um, Manufacturing, their wages have also come up 4.8%. Well, that's still not great. The overall wages are up about 6%. So if overall wages are up 6%, but manufacturing is only up 5 and retail is only up 3.5% and, a half, and- government's only up 2.2 where is that coming from leisure and hospitality wages are up 21.4 percent when you said when a lot of people want to do something and there's only a little bit available leisure and hospitality was the area that was the hit hardest at the pandemic they got knocked flat people a lot of people went out of business nobody was available i mean hotels were empty just empty nobody in them For months and months and months and months. Well, what does that mean if you worked there? Well, you got laid off. You didn't get paid. Or if you did, it was because of a government handout to your corporation. And that doesn't feel good. Well, coming out of of the pandemic, as we're opening back up, everybody wanted to do what they couldn't do under lockdown. All those empty hotels got filled up and that meant that all the people that got laid off needed to be hired back. That means they had to get hired back with much higher wages, much higher wages. So 20 plus percent increase in wages per hour, not like the number of people paid or any of that because there were a lot of people unemployed. The wages actually increased by over 20% there, because that's what we want right now. And as we're starting to pull back on that, this is where we're starting to see some of the uh, jobs getting cut and leisure and hospitality again. So just keep that in mind going forward when people talk about this record amount of hiring and how it's going and we're starting to see more jobs in manufacturing and prices starting to come up faster in those areas and prices starting to come back down into reasonable areas in leisure and hospitality because people are starting to get that out of their system. There's still a lot of people that want to go on vacation that haven't, but this idea of going on four major vacations in a year because you skipped last year, that's not what we're seeing anymore. People are still wanting to go on vacation, but not four times as much as they did in a normal period.
0: It's a minor point, but to an economist, it's pretty important. Headline inflation from the consumer price index is 8 point something percent. Uh But real inflation hasn't gone up that much. No. Here's why. About a third of the consumer price index is the theoretical rental value of your house if you own a
1: house. And you're probably, if you own your house, are probably living in it rather than renting it
0: out. Right. Uh, so when you see the CPI at 8.7% over a 12-month period, it largely is reflecting the fact that houses have gone up in value a whole bunch over that time period.
1: And, and mo- um, most people the, don't buy a new car every year as well. And there's a right. big proponent of car prices in that. So, if you didn't buy a car in the last three years, you probably haven't felt
0: that particular
1: sting. Go ahead. The,
0: There's another another measure that's called the PCE, uh, which is the actual way people spend. We don't instead of having a fixed basket of goods and services that the CPI does, the PCE measures how much people are actually spending in a month or a quarter. It's called the personal uh, consumption. On what Right. And on what they're spending it on. In other words, if people buy more chicken, then it looks at the price of chicken. If people buy more beef, it looks at the price of beef more. And it weighs it according to where people actually spent their money. It comes out after the uh, consumer price index, and it doesn't get the headlines. It's running about 6% right now.
1: And that's that's the overall wage increase is about 6%.
0: Right. So we have about a 6% wage increase. We have about a 6% inflation increase. They are neck and neck. That is good. Now, if the wage increases start to get ahead of the uh, uh, increases in, in in the PCE, then we will have a problem down the road. And And the having other-
1: said it's good, if you work for a government employer of some kind and your wages are up 2% and your expenses are up 6%, it doesn't feel good. We understand that.
0: But at the end of this year, you'll get a big raise.
1: Yeah because governments are about to have to give a lot of wages to their yeah. employees or they're going to lose them all.
0: You'll probably get an 8% raise in the, the year if you have an inflation uh, number tacked on to your... So
1: if you're in the uh, Defense Department, if you're in the military, you're probably going to get a ra- raise. You're already seeing it across the country in teachers. Big movements to give teachers raises because they've been locked in the low rates for a long time. So we're about to see a lot of wage changes that haven't happened yet. So if you're a government employee, just hopefully being patient won't hurt you.
0: What we are seeing is a continued record rate of quits, meaning people quitting their job to go to another job. Why? Because their current employer is not raising their wages or better yet, somebody else who has a job that they would enjoy doing
1: is paying the same, now
0: paying more and they're willing to move because jobs are plentiful and the quit index is pretty high. Uh, and it's highest it's ever been, as a matter of fact. And that is an indication of a very healthy economy, too. Yeah.
1: It means that it's hard for employers to get new employees, but the people that are buying their stuff are getting paid more. So they have more money to buy with. So it's conflicting on the business side, but profits are up higher than inflation. So that's good news, too. Uh, So kind of across the board, we're seeing... A lot of good stuff. Um, What we say every day, every week, no matter what the conditions, make sure your savings are in order. Have a good emergency savings position no matter what. Um, Keep your debt within reason. Make sure it's stuff that you're actually using rather than consuming that you put on debt. And then plan for the future. That's the same thing we said at the depths of the market and at the top of the market. First priority savings. Do you have a wrap up? We're about out of time for the week.
0: Well, I wanted to add one more thing and then I'll do my wrap up. The uh, Morningstar is stating that the broad value of stocks traded in the United States is at 0.87 times market, uh, fair market value. So in other words, about the stock market th- is trading 13% below fair market value according to Morningstar. And you can go to Morningstar and find that actually the headline there. Uh, U.S. stocks are trading at a rarely seen discount. That's a good sign. Now, other folks are
1: saying it's overpriced, so you can you oh, can sure. gauge that on either direction.
0: I trust Morningstar more. Anyway, but uh, a quick wrap-up. The stock market dropped a little bit for the week. It's up 5.3% for the last three weeks. It's up 83% from the bottom back in 2020 things are pretty healthy. We're still in a correction. The economy is still roaring along very healthily. It's beginning to abate its high unsustainable speed, but we don't see any dark clouds on the horizon in the economy. And this is the personal wealth coach. And we are not just uh, a radio program with a couple of people talking. We're also the two principals at The personal wealth coach, uh, a registered investment advisor in Salado, Texas, that manages people's investment portfolios and gives them investment advice and is a wealth management organization for people who are either at or near financial independence.
1: And if you'd like to talk to us off the air on any of those subjects, uh, the local number is? 254
0: 947 1111.
1: Or you can reach that line toll free, 1 800 914 7526. That's 800 914 plan. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, uh, where you can sign up for a newsletter, read our newsletter, listen to our radio program going back lots of years, sign up for uh, or find our podcasts wherever they're found. Email us directly at jeff or jake at tpwc.com.